0: Jesus said quite a lot about life. Uh, The people that are away this weekend are on an abundant life course. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full or have it in abundance. Jesus said that because what he was saying was that everything in our lives could sustain us. So when we do certain activities, when we do certain things, instead of making us feel weary and tired... They could actually make us feel more full of life. Imagine that, a world where when you do things, you get more energy. (coughs) Jesus spoke about doing things for the Father when he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. So there's an expectation that when he did things, he received. He didn't do things in order to receive, but as he did those things which God had given him to do, so he received. Now, I don't know about you, but occasionally, just occasionally, I don't find myself in that position. The position of doing things and finding that I have more energy at the end of the day than I had at the beginning. Just occasionally. Now, of course, that could be because I'm not always doing just those things that the Father gives me to do. But I believe that the life he's given me is one he's called me to. And so as I walk with him, so I can expect to have life, and life in its fullness. Now, many of us have uh, occasionally watched that box in our sitting room called a television. And, uh, and the world seems to be full, and not just on the television, uh, at the school gates of people that are dreaming of a different life. Have you ever wanted to escape to the country? Have you ever seen one of those programs? What's it? Home and... Oh, what's it? Home and... What? What? Escape to the country, yeah. Yeah? And there's another one, isn't there? Um, Place in the Sun, Home or Away. You ever seen that one? People deciding to move to Italy. Don't, do you speak Italian? No. Oh, you'll get on well. But it will be a different life. You know, we look at a green lane like that one and we see quietness. We see solitude we see peace, we see happiness, we see calmness, we see provision. Now what about when you see that green lane? What do you see? Do you see that quietness? Do you see that solitude? I, got, I, I looked this up on um, Street View on Google, and I decided, I had this bit of a shock. I was following this silver Sephira driving along Street View, and I thought, I wonder if that's my car. It's like a really bizarre moment because it's like our car. Do you think that God could possibly help you find freedom here before you have to go there? Freedom isn't something you escape to. It's something that's granted. If you escape from prison, you always belong in prison. God wants to set us free. He wants to break the things that want to lock us up. So when we are made free, we're free indeed. It's not about summoning the strength to climb out of the nearest window, which is quite a relief for me. It's about being set free. In Second Corinthians 3.17... Here's a good verse. You're going to remember a verse from today. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. NIV says freedom. Uh, AV or or, uh, New King James, they would talk about liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now is the Spirit of the Lord in Green Lane? If I'm there, if you're there, The spirit of the Lord is there. There is freedom. Freedom to choose. That's what ultimately freedom is. The ability to choose. The ability to decide. This is what I'm going to do. This is what God's giving me to do. The other day we had um, some visitors come around uh, who live in a lovely house. Uh, We've discussed several times how lovely their house is. uh, My wife and I. And they came round, and, they say, and uh, the, the wife was sitting in our front room or somewhere. She said, oh, I love where you live. Everything's so close. You've got a supermarket at the end of the road, hospital. They've just had a baby, so thinking about having the hospital nearby. You know, they've got schools at the end of the road. You've got everything within walking distance of your house, haven't you? I said, yeah, I have. They haven't. And I just felt God stirring me about my attitude to where I live, And how about your attitude to where you live? If God's saying something to me, he might be saying something to you. If not, I'll just enjoy myself for the next 20 minutes or so, um, and we'll see where we end up. It'll be nearer to lunch by the time I've finished. That's the only promise, yes. So, So, Jesus said, if you hold on to my teaching, you're really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He was speaking there to some Jews, and uh, they said to him, Look, we're Abraham's descendants, and we've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we'll be set free? Jesus replied, I, i tell you the truth, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. In other words, you have no choice about it. That's just how you are. But a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free Indeed you'll be free indeed. The way we see the world around us greatly impacts our take on things that are happening. Greatly impacts uh, our attitude to others. Greatly impacts the relationships we build with others. For a long time, the church spent its time talking about being strangers here and we're just passing through. As if somehow, at one day, we'd be taken to where we really belong so we've just got to keep our heads down while we're here so we can get there, because over there, It's really where we want to be. That's not actually our mission. The new heaven and the new earth is a place just like this one, but without sorrow, without crying, without pain. And that's what God's calling us to, to seek his kingdom on earth, to bring it into being. Now I'm going to tell a very familiar story Well, I suppose it might be a familiar story. If you haven't seen it before, it's not a familiar story. But let's presume presume it is a familiar story. Uh, Oh! But before we do that, I'm going to tell you something else. Always make sure what you've printed out is exactly the same as on the screen. Otherwise, it makes you look outdated. No, um... Okay, so part of what I think I'm bringing to us today, we're at the beginning of our week of thankfulness. Did anyone hear that this morning? So God is putting on our hearts things to give thanks about. I mean, the provision of my home, well, actually, it's the home that's actually my children's, and my wife's as well, but the provision of our house was miraculous. We didn't live here. No, that's not... Before we moved here, we didn't live here. When we lived somewhere else, we were longing for a house. But we looked at the bank balance, we looked at my income, we looked at where we wanted to go and there was just no way it was going to happen. And then God provided a way for us to to move. And as is the way with God, he then gave me a pay rise as well. So not only could I afford to move, but also we could live in plenty where we were. And that was a breakthrough. There was no way that that could have happened. But God brought a miracle for us to come here. Now that was rather a long time ago. Does that make it any less miraculous? Twelve years ago, it was a complete blow-away moment. And at this moment, I feel God's just wanting me to to say, you know what? I released that house to you. Don't forget that. Maybe there's things like that for you. What words has God given you to declare, to believe? Oh, hello. (laughs) Oh, that's a bit strange. No, we just, 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 don't worry. Don't worry, we're we'll just, just one moment. Ah, that's what I need to do. I need to click there. Then go there. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, just on the wrong screen. Sorry, everyone. For those of you listening to the tape, just for a moment. It just I just lost it. <sighs> so, so, what word has God put on your heart to believe this morning? And as we approach this week, what things has God spoken over you? What has God put in your mouth to declare? Remember, we've been being reminded that what comes out of our mouth is sometimes more powerful than those voices in here. When God allows the enemy to distract us, it's quite often with thoughts, it's rarely with what comes out of our mouths. And sometimes we need to use our mouths to declare what God has said. Um, What's he said about yourself? What's he said about your family, your home, this church, your work, the world? And as we're going through this stuff, I'd encourage you to, to listen to what he's saying. Okay? We'll come back to that. But those are some things I just want us to, to have in mind. Because sometimes, sometimes God's words to us can get forgotten. Because we're forgetful. Some of us more forgetful than others. And I'm a particularly forgetful person. So the thing I need to do is to keep repeating the things that God said to me so that my ears are hearing and declaring. What? Decl- hearing my declaration. Now this is the familiar story that I promised you. Okay, um, It's the parable of the waiting father. You may know it as a different name. Um, but let's, let's stick with it. And uh, there was once a man who had two sons. Now the older man, you can't read that, can you? The older man worked hard and obeyed his father, uh, obeyed all that his father told him to do. The younger, the younger son liked to have fun and he wasn't interested in working. What do you reckon it was like to live in that family? Families are wonderful things, aren't they? Um, My, um, My father died uh, about five weeks ago. And uh, my family have been spending more time together. My older brothers and sisters have been together. It's very interesting. You discover all those things that you remember from childhood that you've forgotten with distance. And suddenly you discover all these things that kind of just slightly get on your nerves. (laughs) Just slightly. Oh, that's an interesting... Oh, that's you. Sorry. So what do you think it was like to live in this family? What do you think it was like uh, for them as they, as they did their things? Well, they were both working in the same vineyard, uh, one of them rather harder than the other, but they both had an equal right to it. So one day, uh, the younger son, the younger son decides, you know what, I've had enough. I think I'd like to do something else. So you know what, Dad? When you go in, uh, you're going to leave me a ton of cash. So can you give me my half now? So, uh, well, you know, so what, what's the father going to say? Well, the father being the father, goes, ooh. <laughs> but he says, okay, it's your choice. I want you to remember that word choice. Choice. Very important word. Very important word. When God made us, He made us with choice. And that's what I'm encouraging you to think about this morning. What has God cho- given you that you could choose to believe and choose not to believe? So He then, it says in the scripture. He divides his property between them. I've never read that before. Anyway, so he gets his, the father gets the property, divides it between the two sons, and the son, younger son, runs away. Run away! Now he not only runs away. Now this is this is interesting. So what he does is he gathers together everything that he's got. Now actually having what he had was probably not that much of an issue. But at this point, he leaves the father's house. Leaving the father's house was not the right thing to do. Because leaving the father's house meant leaving his guidance, meant leaving his protection, meant leaving him. So off he goes, and um, he wasted his money on parties and wild living, it says. Uh, that's a very euphemistic translation. If anyone wants the 18 rated version, I'll tell you later. However, the money was soon gone. And what happened next was not something he could control at all, but was famine. So not only he ran out of cash, everyone around him ran out of cash. Ever been in a world where people are running out of cash? Let's just print some more. I'm sure that will work. <laughs> He's empty. He's spent everything he has, so he goes and gets a job. He gets a job, possibly the worst job ever. But not working for the local uh, authority. He was working in the. In <laughs> he was working in a pigsty. Nasty, niffy, wig-wicky, pigsty. Not really the place that you'd want to be. Now, you see, the funny thing is, while he's there, he gets so hungry, what does he want to do? you remember the story? Turn to someone and tell them what he wants to do. What's he wants to do, John? Eat the pods that the pigs have got. That's right. Now, he's hungry, and that hunger can't be denied. When people turn their backs on the father, they'll get hungry. He got hungry. He ran out of what he had. What he had was spent. Now he's hungry. So, what's he going to look to? He's going to look to whatever food he can get. I don't reckon those pods were very much fun. I don't know how you eat a pod unless it's like a monge too, but I don't think the pigs were eating monge too. So there they are, eating, there he is, sitting in the pigsty, covered in um, straw, (laughs) and uh, thinking to himself, this is not a good place to be. Now the Bible says he came to his senses, which you would have thought he might have done a bit quicker than this, but he's come to his senses, because he's remembered something, My father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am fasting. So what I'll do is I'll go back to my father. What did I say? Fasting. Oh, starving, yes. He wasn't fasting, although I suppose that might have been an idea. No, sorry. (coughs) I thought you said I said something else then for a moment. Anyway. Anyway, excuse you. all the room's dark. Um, I'll return to my father and say to him... I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So. Hmm. Sounds like a good plan. So off he goes. And off he goes. So he headed home to the father. Just like that. Now, he knows what's happened. And he's got his story. What is he? no longer worthy to be called a son. The father's got his perspective. So whilst he's a long way off, the father saw him coming. Now that didn't happen by accident. He was looking. And he was filled with love for him. Now this is a a father. Now you know how cool your parents are, right? This is a father. This is an elderly man. He's not going to go skipping down the road very often. Right? But... When he sees the sun coming, he runs out to meet the sun, throws his arms around him and kisses him. I just want you to think about this. The guy who's just returned home does not smell very good. He doesn't look very good. He hasn't got anything but the father's been looking out and he rushes out to meet him. So, the son's got his script ready. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Sometimes we prepare ourselves for difficult situations. We, we pump ourselves up determined to say what we know we've got to say. But the father has a different perspective. Because the father interrupts him and calls people to put the best robe on him. Now, the best robe in his house would not just be the bloke's old best robe. Because the son's taken everything that was his. This is the special robe. This is the robe like the robe of many colours in the story of Joseph. The robe that was for the favourite son. The robe that covered him completely. When we come back to God, if we've been away, He covers us completely with the robe. Nothing, none of the smelliness, none of the mess, none of the dirt can be seen, because He covers us completely. The ring is put on our finger, in His finger, to indicate, well, you know, in the marriage cer- ceremony, we talk about the ring being a sign of everlasting love. It has no, it's an object with no end. And in a way, that's what that is about. It's about a covenant between the son and the father. It's about significance. It's about his placing. He doesn't have any shoes, so the father gives him shoes. If without shoes, he can't walk straight. All the time, he's getting hurt when he walks. And if you're a servant and you don't have any shoes, but the father puts shoes on his feet, so he's ready to get on with whatever he has to do. And then, of course, he kills the fattened calf. Which is bad news if you're a calf, but good news if you like a barbecue. I am no longer worthy to be your son. Let's kill a calf and celebrate. This son of mine was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. There are two versions of this story. One which the son has, and one which the father has. There are two versions of your story, too. Live in the truth of what God has said about us. You see, God's not like us. Is that a statement of the obvious? When the sheep gets lost in Luke 15, when they find the sheep that's gone astray, Jesus goes on to say, There's more rejoicing in heaven over what? One sinner who chooses to repent than 99 righteous ones who don't need to repent. That's not fair. I was one of the 99. Why is he rejoicing over the one that's come back? It's about his choice. It's about his choice. The son has made a bad choice. But God gave him that choice. The father could have said, no, you stay here, son. You work out your apprenticeship. You stay here until you're old enough to understand all those temptations. But he gave him a choice. He's given you a choice. And in that choice is something amazing. Because he's now chosen to come back. He's now chosen to come home. And the father is filled with love. You could say, he should never have gone away. He should have stayed at home. He should never have gone off and done all those things. No. Would they have had the party if he hadn't? I don't know. I don't understand. But because of the choice he makes at this point, there is rejoicing. There is rejoicing in heaven. There's rejoicing in that house. So if you're far off this morning thinking, I'm not worthy to be a son. I'm not worthy to be his child. I can't do those things. I can't be like that. I've messed it up. You have a choice. And that choice is a real one. God rejoices in that choice. So, there are two versions of this story. The sons and the fathers. The son needs to choose which one he will believe, which one he will trust. Now, the older brother, hmm, bit of a problem here. The older brother hears about the son's return and refuses to join the story, the word, to join the party. All these years, I've worked for you, and in that time, you've never even given me a young goat for a feast with my friends. I've been here slaving away Doing all these things, grinding away, trying hard. What have you done for me? Look, my son, you're always with me. You are always with me. And all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours but we celebrate this happy day because your brother was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Now, I I read this, um, uh, read someone writing about this in a book and uh, I I just had to stop at this point. Everything I have is yours, says the Father. Who's he say that to? You guys. Me. Everything I have is yours. I've been here slaving away. You've not made a fuss over me. Everything I have is yours. The the inheritance is sorted out. The inheritance has been divided. The inheritance has been settled. You're in that place. If you've chosen to make Jesus your Lord and Saviour. You're in that place of plenty, of abundance. Everything I have is yours. You see, that son is in a place where he's surrounded by plenty. He's in the midst of a party and he's starving. He's starving. He's unable to enjoy the Father's provision. His experience of life is controlled by the choices he makes. Could I be in a place like that? But for God, yes. Could I be in the midst of abundant provision? Abundant provision, and yet living like I was trying to get blood from a stone. There are two versions Of that son's story, too. The son's and his father's. The son needs to choose which one he will believe, which one he will trust. Two sons, four stories. Which do you believe? What story does God tell over your life? Is it the same as yours? I was dead, now I'm alive. Everything he has is mine. The Lord is spirit. And where the spirit is, there is freedom. Freedom to choose. Freedom. Can anyone identify with something here? Can you feel... I feel that God wants to bring us to a place of coming back to him, actually. Some of us. We haven't been very far. In fact, we've been in the Father's house. But, you know, being in the Father's house doesn't allow you to enjoy the abundance There is freedom. There is freedom. There is freedom. This is the eternal choice. I was reminded as I was reading this story from this perspective of this from Deuteronomy 30. You can probably put the lights back up because the slides are going to be brighter now. I don't want people nodding off. This is the renewal of the covenant with God that Moses led his people to. And God told him to say this to the people. See, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so you'll have to go to it or you'll have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so you'll have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it so that we may obey it. No. Where's the word? The word is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. there are things we need to do to choose life we can be in the father's house but not in not live in the fullness of it and I want to encourage you today to, to do that to choose life okay now I've got two things to do here I think I want to make this quite practical, but also believe that there's something that God's going to release to particular people this morning. So, what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give us some questions, right, to chew on, because I've, I'm a little bit worried that I might have become a little theoretical. A little, a little theoretical. So, I'm going to give you a few questions, questionnaires, and then when you've chewed on those for a bit and we talked about them, there will be an opportunity also to be Minister 2. Okay. We're going to do this first uh, because I can see the eyes getting heavy of a few of our brethren. They will remain nameless. How is it possible to choose life or death? What does that look like? How does it operate? And how can we help one another to live in the right place? How is it possible to choose life or death? Are you getting what we're talking about? What does it look like for you? How does it operate on a daily basis? And how can we help one another to live in a right place? Would you like me to say the questions in a different way? Or do you think you get it? Get the idea? What I'd like to do is to spend about five minutes on these, so you've got a couple of minutes, and you can discuss them in groups of not less than three, and not more than six. Because I want everyone to have a chance to say something. Okay, so what does it mean? How is it possible to choose this thing, life and death? And what does it look like? Okay, right. Okay, what we're going to do is we're just going to have... Uh, an opportunity to hear from a few groups. I'm not going to try and come around everyone because I think that what you've been discussing will be really valid where you are and something you might want to take home and have with you roast chicken and potatoes or whatever it is you're having at home. Because obviously our stomachs are now telling us it's one o'clock and uh, I realise that will affect people's concentration. Um, but I, do would, I would think it would be useful to just hear from a few groups. So,
1: Yeah, I was sh- sharing a story that I had at work where someone had really caused me many wrongs and I had the opportunity to confront the person when they, when they were coming round. And so I went over all of my emails and made a nice, clear four pages of issues that I wanted to raise with the person... And um, they're all justified and all all good points to raise. But you know when you get that twisting inside your gut and you just this thing's just not settling. And um, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to have to go and talk with Avril because she helped <laughs> h- help me process. Oh sorry.
0: oh sorry. Oh sorry. Oh see, she wasn't the one. Sorry. No, she she wasn't
1: the person I had issues with. No, I, I never let right. it get to four pages if it's Avril. Um, and so. She said, yeah, you, you do have the opportunity to um, to screw this person into the ground with all of these issues, and they're very justified. But you could also think, what is what is life? And I thought, yeah, that's really what I want to do. And so I went into a, an empty room, and I laid out the four sheets of paper, and I said, okay, God, let me only bring what is life and what is your word for this person. And so over the next 10, 20 minutes, I was able to cross off pretty much all, all the stuff that was on the sheets and just left me with a few things to raise. And it was really God being merciful, first of all, to me, yeah. because if I'd gone in wanting to win the arguments on all the things I had, I would have left very disappointed because the person wasn't ready to respond right. Um, but also what I looked to do was represent God's hunger for life for the person. And mm. so, yeah, that, that was a clear opportunity where we had to choose life.
0: Great. Okay, um, we talked about um, in foundation meeting, we talked about choosing life and um, walking in the spirit of God and in Christ. And um, we, we did mention you dropping your old self mm-hmm. and picking your new self forward. It's like your old self is going to die and your new self goes forward. And I liken to every day's activity like um, if you want to do something new, walking in the footsteps of Jesus, you need to drop something to create space for that new stuff that's going to come in your life so every day you drop something that's not relevant in your life and you pick up something new right yeah right it's a process
1: uh we were talking about how we can help each other choose life or death and um we, we thought that someone can only help you if they know what you're going through so if, if you don't really share, like, what, what you're going through with other people, then there's no way they can, like, help you, to, I don't know, like, strengthen you and encourage you and stuff. So I think that's like, an important thing, sort of having someone to share what, what you're going through in your life and stuff. Or if you've had trouble choosing, like, the right path or giving into temptation or something, there's no way they can help you. So, yeah. Mm, great. Okay. Is
0: there anything else? Or I'm quite happy to take a couple of contributions or we can just move on. That's fine. Okay. Oh, there we go. Julia? Um, What we were talking about was how when we try and fix things ourselves, that is kind of the way of death. Or when we kind of start worrying and panicking, we were saying how sometimes you can sort of ask God and then take it all back yourself and try and work it out your own way. So we had a few examples of, of that, but they were a bit bit personal. That's probably right, not. Right, yeah. Here. No, great. That's right. Okay, well, I think what we'll do now is I just want to draw us back to finish, but um, just a couple of extra bits of light in the story of the waiting father or the lost son, depending on the words that you use. You know, the guy who'd stayed at home, the older brother? It was pretty, I I can identify with how upset he was feeling. Just put yourself in his position. They had joint responsibility for this vineyard thing. The younger son, he's gone off with half half the goods, right? And left him with all the work to do. Now, I think that's when the seed was sown into the older son's life because he didn't live in the grace in the relationship with the Father. He broke his relationship with the Father. His relationship with the Father was such that he couldn't understand what the Father was doing at that point. He'd stayed at home, but left the Father. It's possible to stay at home and leave the Father. Some people leave the Father in a really magnificent way. Magnificent's probably the wrong word. But... An amazing way. And you say, oh, look at that person. Oh, oh, never happened to me. No, no. But you can leave the Father father and be here, guys. Wake up. That's what I'm saying to you this morning. So be alert to the fact that the enemy wants us to lose connection. He wants us to, to drift. And yet we have a Father who is watching for our return. We don't know what happened in the next bit of that story. Jesus only gave us that little bit of story. We don't know what happened to the older son. But he had a choice too. And I reckon if he confessed where he was, the father would probably have come rushing out to meet him too. Living in the plenty plenty of the house, but really living in a kind of hell. That's what, it, that's what the older son's life was. He was living in a place where everything he did, all, everything he had was earned. Everything, every effort, every sinew of his body was spent trying to earn his position. But the father's perspective was, everything I have is yours. So let's just pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the words that you speak over our lives. Thank you, Father, for the way that you watch, that you watch for our return. Thank you, Lord, for the rejoicing there is in that return. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you rush to meet So, Father, for those this morning that have become aware of a distance, whether that's a real distance, whether that's an imagined distance, Father, I pray for you right now to meet with them as they reach out to you. We reach out to you, Lord. Father, we confess when we have done things our way, not your way. When we felt that we needed to earn something not to receive it by grace. Father, we want to stand secure in your grace alone. So, Father, help us. Help us, please. Meet with us. Move amongst us. The Lord is spirit. And where the spirit is, there is freedom. Let there be freedom Let there be liberty amongst us. Let us know what that is. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Okay. Okay, so... Kind finish there, but if there are people that would like uh, to have someone stand with them, pray through any of these issues, come forward for prayer, we'll stand with you. This is about this is about opposition. This is about our relationship. If you're thinking, oh, I don't know, oh, I don't know, do you know what? God knows. So. Come to him. Come to him.